cuss. If not, watch this. Oh, I still believe in God. That's not the problem. Well, it's sort of a God. A loving God. It wasn't very loving to Joy. We don't know what's best for us, Jack. We're not the creator. We're the creatures. Creatures? Harry, I'm thinking the most terrible thoughts. What if we're like rats in a laboratory, part of some cosmic experiment? For our own good, of course. God, the vivisectionist. That's your grief talking, Jack. What was talking before, my complacency? All we can do is to hold on to our faith. Faith in what? I turn to God now that I really need him, and what do I find? A door slammed in my face. The sound of boating and double boating. After that silence. It's like being in prison. That was C.S. Lewis after uh, he'd lost his wife, and he was struggling every day to deal with that. And as he said, he felt like he was in prison. I think sometimes we kind of have that same feeling, don't we, when it comes to everyday life. You know, we uh, you know, fight sometimes with the, the bills. Sometimes our relationships with others, we struggle in those things. Sometimes our work just seems all-consuming. All we ever do is work, work, work at our job, and, and there are the chores at home and all the other responsibilities that we have in our lives, and all those things cause a myriad of stresses that seem to sometimes go on and on and on, day after day after day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we're back at that Monday again. Sometimes it seems like there's something, there's like a thief that is uh, stealing our life away from us and killing so much of what we think should be fun and wonderful and good in it and, and just kind of destroying that sense of enjoyment we should have in every day. If you ever feel that way, you know what? You're right. You're exactly right. Because Jesus in John's 10th chapter and 10th verse in the Amplified Version says, the thief comes only. Now, what does that word only mean? Now, somebody say specifically for? Exclusively for? That's right. The thief comes exclusively for, for no other reason than to steal and kill and destroy. Who is this thief? Well, let me say it is the thief. It is the accuser of your soul. It is the deceiver. It's the devil. It's Satan. And his job exclusively is to steal and kill and destroy 
the quality and the joy of your life. I don't know about you guys, but he's pretty darn good at it sometimes, isn't he? Especially as we talk about day after day after day after day. But let's, uh, let's, let's look in a different direction. Yeah, we're adults and we got all this stuff going on in our life all the time. Let's kind of look at the opposite thing, the opposite way we might look at life. Watch this. the last time what's that well good <laughs> yes in John 10 10 Jesus says the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy but that's not all he says that's not all of this verse for the rest of this 10th verse in this 10th chapter of John Jesus says this he said I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And that life he's talking about in the living Bible is a rich and a satisfying life. And in the message paraphrase, it's a better life than we ever dreamed of. You see, this is the life that Jesus came to bring us, that we would enjoy it, have it in abundance the full till it overflows instead of feeling like we're trapped and we're in prison by, you know, battling the bills and having all those relational struggles, having all that junk at work that we can't seem to let go of, all the endless list of chores and responsibilities, the stresses that go on and on and on day after day after day after day. Jesus says, now it's supposed to be much more like this. How do we do that? 
Nehemiah's 8th chapter and 10th verse in the NIV says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. How many have ever heard that before? I mean, I have too. And I, when I hear it, it goes, The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's like, oh, that sounds so good. But have you ever stopped and looked at what it really says? The joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't think I'd ever really looked at it or thought about it until I did this week in that way. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The Good News version of Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Joy which the Lord gives you will make you strong. You know, I think we need to quit looking at joy as something that's just kind of frivolous and it's kind of trite and it's kind of irrelevant. We need to stop looking at joy as just, oh, something that I feel for a little while when I get off work and I'm driving home. Something that I experience with the kids on the weekend. Um, something that I, I, I feel and I like when I get to do what I really want to do just for me. Joy is much more than that. And so we need to stop looking at it as just something frivolous, trite, irrelevant, something that we get a little here and we get a little there that makes life nicer. No, not at all. We need to start looking at joy as the default of the divine. You see, Jesus said he came for us to enjoy life. He didn't say he came to save us from our sins and take us to heaven. Now, he says that in places, but he didn't say that here. Joy isn't optional. But joy is required for us to live as God wants us to live. I don't know about you, but as God was kind of showing me that this week, I was going like, cool. <laughs> Man, you know, life can be much better than it is for me many days. And we see that in Galatians 5.22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, and peace. And if I were to ask you, is it possible for you or really any human being to live without love? No, that's absolutely absurd. You've got to be kidding me. Is it possible for you or any human being to live without peace? No, that, that's crazy. Yet why is it that we somehow think we can live without joy and we just get it here and there along the road of life instead of understanding that it is a core part, uh, 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 an integral and necessary part of our lives? In many ways, it's foundational in our life. Because it's a source of strength for us. You see, joy is really a major main thing in our life. That's why Jesus said, I may come that they may have and enjoy life. When Jesus said, I came, that means that's why I came. And if you're going to enjoy your life, what do you have to do? You have to have somehow some joy in your life, don't you? Part of the problem for us is that many of us are too serious. Seriously. You know what I mean? We're, we're like, you know, so focused on the bills, and, and we need to be, that, you know, oh, got to do this, got to get this paid, got to figure out how to, you know, get all this, 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 this income in and, 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 and get it out at the right time. And some of us are so focused on the relational struggles that we have in our lives. It seems to be that's all there is. Our work, our job can be overwhelming. 
It's just there all the time and we never let go of it. All the, the chores that we have to do, all the responsibilities that we've got in our life, they're, they're always there. And all the stresses that causes. And so, man, we have got to be serious in our lives. Seriously. To get all this done. But when we do that, when we are just so serious all the time about all these things, it opens the door for the thief to come in order to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he destroys what Christ came to bring that we would enjoy our lives every day. That's why he came. So how do we do that? Well, the first thing we have to do is we need to examine what's right before us. That's today. Not tomorrow. Not the next day, not the next day. Yeah, you've got responsibilities and things out there, and you can do a little bit about them right now, and so do the little bit about them and then let them go, okay? Don't keep focus on them. But it's all about today, remember? Enjoying life every day. We have to start with today. And so what you want to do is you want to look at the good things in your life. Now, some of you are thinking like, yeah, that'd be great, but what about the bad things in my life? What about the tough things? Let me tell you what you do. When you um, look at your day, you start your day, and you start looking at the bad things, what you do is you plant a seed. You plant a bad seed. One of the worst seeds I know of, if you're from Florida, are sand spurs, okay? That's a seed, all right? And so what happens is when you focus on the bad, as you look at your today and begin your day, what happens that seed is it starts growing. There's more of them. And then it grows up, and then after that, you start walking through your day, and whammy. Man, they come and bite you. Oh, the little things are painful. But you see, that's what you do with your life. When you start out your day and you start looking at the bad things and you water those seeds all day long in your life by thinking about the bad things, guess what? You're going to have a bad day. So God says, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. He said, okay, yeah, there are bad things in your life, but here's what you need to do. You need to take them and crumple them all up Okay, and then you got to, he said, cast them over to me. Pitch those bad things over to me. How do you do that? Lamentation 3, 19 through 23. This in the Amplified, Amplified Version tells us, O Lord, remember earnestly my affliction. That's kind of an old-fashioned word, but do any of you all ever feel like you have affliction in your life? I'm a pastor and I have a great life and I got affliction in my life. In this case, he says, my misery, my wandering, my outcast state. Misery. You ever have that sense you don't really know where you're going? You're just wandering through your life day after day after day. Sometimes you feel like you're kind of cast out of the life that you really thought you're going to have. And so what you do with the bad is you, you, you cast them God's way. And, and in doing that, you say, God, oh, Lord, Remember earnestly my affliction, my misery, my wandering, my outcast state, whatever that is for you. My soul has them continually in remembrance and is bowed down within me. In other words, you bow down before God with all that bad stuff. And you say, okay, Lord, you see it, I see it, 
Here it comes. And as you do that, you pass it over to him. This is what happens. I recall, this I recall, and therefore have hope and expectation. You see, there's hope and expectation you get by, by casting that thing over, by not taking those seeds and planting them and watering them. It's this. As we continue in Lamentations 3, 19, 23 in the Amplified, it is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed because his tender compassions never fail. They're new every morning, great and abundant. Look at this. Is your stability and your faithfulness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I am just overwhelmed with all that junk and all that bad stuff in my life, I don't feel very stable. I feel like I'm on the edge. I feel like I'm about to fall off. And so what God says is that my mercies, my loving kindness, because of that, the bad stuff in your life doesn't have to consume your life. It doesn't have to take you over. It doesn't have to burn you out. It doesn't have to twist you this way and that way. But because of His mercy and His tender kindness, they are new every morning. Because they are new and unique for you every morning, you have an abundant stability beyond where you've been. And God is faithful in doing that. Again, how? It's because you get together with God and you cast off that bad stuff. Remember my affliction, misery, wandering, my outcast state. My soul has them continually in remembrance. In other words, they're there. You don't forget about them, but you don't leave them on the front burner. You bow down to God and you say, here, take them. And you have hope and the expectation in there that his mercy and loving kindness will cause you not to be consumed by them. Because guess what? You haven't planted them and you haven't watered them and you're not walking all over them. And they're new every morning. In other words, God makes up a brand new batch of mercy every morning because we always use up all of yesterday's. In other words, if you get to it with God and you cast that bad stuff off and you receive his mercies on Tuesday, don't think you can wait till Friday to come back and get some more because you're going to be living Wednesday and Thursday without them. They're new every morning. And just because you have received them and received them and say, well, you know, I've done this every day now and I'm good, you know. <laughs> hey, I understand his mercy. I got this going on. Guess what's going to happen that day? You're going to plant a seed or two. You're going to water them. You're going to walk all over them. They're new every day for you. They are unique every day for you. They are what you need for that day. So don't plant those seeds. Take that bad and instead look at the good. Because if you look at the good with God, you realize that each morning that there are new mercies for you. Those are like seeds that you plant in your life as well. And those new mercies grow something. I mean, when you planted, that person planted that seed. I don't know how long they were holding that. This is a metaphor. But there was nothing there. Same thing in your life. You plant them, you go, hey, there's nothing here. But just as that seedling grew out of there, Something will grow in you that wasn't there before. That is real. It's just what you need for that day. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that fits the pieces 
puzzle pieces of our life together. And he does it for every one of us. But guess what? He does it in a different way for every one of us. Because we are all different. And how does he do that? He does that when we have personal time with him. Personal time with him. That is why personal time with him, quiet time with him, whatever you want to call it, is the most important time in your life. You're going, wait a minute, what about my kids and my job and my wife and my husband? Well, guess what? Your personal time with God is more important than all those things. Because if you have personal time with God each morning, receiving his mercies from your life, throwing away the bad stuff, your relationship with your kids and your wife or your husband and all the other stuff in your life is going to be really different. It's going to be really better. And so we need to have that personal time to cast that off and to receive those mercies every day in our life. That's why the 27th Psalm, verse 4 in the Good News says, I've asked the Lord for one thing. Now, when you ask somebody, you know, and you put it that way, I'm just asking one thing, okay? <laughs> when you do that, what do you mean? This is really important, and we're just, this is it. That's what we're saying to God. He's saying, this is really important, God, and this is really, really it. I've asked the Lord for one thing, to live in the Lord's house all my life. What does that mean? To marvel there at his goodness, to ask for his guidance. You see, when you marvel at his goodness, life is different. You ask for his guidance, life is different. And it's that goodness and guidance that is so important in your life. And in order to marvel at his goodness, you, you really got to see it. And so you see it in your personal time with God every day as the day begins. Now, as I say that, some of you go, well, yeah, Bill, I've heard this before. I am not a morning person. I love what George Meyer says about that. Well, just pray about it and get over it, okay? It's true. Okay, you're not a morning person. You get up at 2 o'clock every afternoon, all right? Well, guess what? 2 o'clock in the afternoon is morning for you. So have some personal time with God then. Revelation 16, 15 in the Amplified Version says, Blessed, that is happy, or to be envied, is he who stays awake, that is alert, and who guards his clothes so that he may not be naked, and have the shame of being seen exposed. I imagine most of you probably have never really seen this verse before, okay? I mean, are we talking about a person with a gun staying awake all night, guarding their clothes closet? I don't think so. What God's talking about here are not physical clothes, but spiritual clothes. Have you ever thought about that? None of us would go out of the house without clothes. My goodness, we wouldn't want to be seen naked or exposed. But the funny thing is, is we go out of the house all the time without our spiritual clothes, spiritually naked, if you will. Spiritually vulnerable. Spiritually exposed. And that's what he's talking about here. 
I mean, how much time do we spend, some of us, even those that don't spend a lot of time, we still spend time making sure we look okay, our hair, our clothes. Well, we do that every day. We wouldn't dream of going out of the house without doing that. And yet, morning after morning after morning after morning, we go out of the house without our spiritual clothes. And we are naked. We are exposed to the thief. Remember the one that wants to steal and kill and destroy? But when you have on your spiritual clothes, you have defense against him. You are different. And so how do you, how do you put on your spiritual clothes? Well, you start in your private time with God, your personal time with God, to make decisions. Decisions are, in effect, putting on your spiritual clothing. Like this one, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And if you put on your spiritual clothes, you say, yeah, this is the day God's made. I'm going to enjoy this day. I'm going to rejoice it. I'm going to make the decisions I need to make today. But if you don't put on your spiritual clothes, you know what it is? This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Well, how do I feel? How do I feel today? Oh, you know, I don't, I don't feel this is really a very special, this isn't a good day. Let me take a few of these seeds and let me plant them and water them throughout. Ah! There you go. You don't have your spiritual shoes on. But this is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. I frequently practice this. Uh, sometimes I say the scripture, sometimes I say, you know, it's going to be a wonderful day. In the morning, yeah, it's going to be a wonderful day. And it really changes my outlook on the day. Now, in deference to my 51-year-old friend, I was 62 uh, a couple weeks ago. And they say the life expectancy of men is just slightly, maybe around 80, a little under 80. So if you do the math, 80% of my life is done, folks. I mean, I want to be morbid about it. But I only have 20% of my life left. And that's if I get to, you know, do what they, th- they say that you can do. I saw this morning on the news a 23-year-old woman and a 46-year-old man. He'd stopped to help her on I-4 at the 434 exit. were hit by a car and they were killed. You never know. But for me, I'm kind of hoping that I'm going to get that last 20%. And so I don't want to waste a single day. Every day is precious to me. And some people are really good at using their days and being fruitful, and some are not. I want to make the most of every day that I have left. And Jesus said, I come that you may enjoy life. And the scriptures say that joy is your strength. So I want to rejoice every day. I want to be glad in it. I want to be strong. Because you know what? Putting on my spiritual clothes, making those decisions in the morning is a whole lot more important than that. Of course, I'd never dream going out without, you know. A whole lot more important than that. I want to encourage you to think about that. Think about stopping to go out spiritually naked without your spiritual clothes spiritually exposed every day. Ephesians six eleven. 14 and 15 in the NIV says, put on the full armor of God. How do you do that? You make a decision in your personal time as you begin each day that you're going to do that. 
with a breastplate of righteousness in place. Where does a breastplate located? You know, it's kind of an archaic language, but it's on your chest. It's over your heart. And your breastplate would protect your heart. And what protects your heart is the righteousness of God. In other words, all the things of God, His rightness, and all the ways that you might look at your life and live your life in His rightness, in His righteousness. So make the decision to put on your spiritual clothing in the morning that, that includes rightness in your heart, His righteousness in your heart. And also it says, uh, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. See, you don't know what's going to happen in your day. None of us do. But when our feet are fitted with readiness, it says that, hey, whatever comes my way, I'm not going to lose my peace about this. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to be flexible. Whatever comes my way, I'm going to be adaptable. And whatever comes my way, I'm not going to lose my peace. It depend on the righteousness of God, His rightness to, to guide man. That is like armor. That is your spiritual clothing. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24 in the NIV says, Put off your old self to put on your new self. Let me ask you this. What do you sleep in at night? Ladies, do you wear a nightgown? Guys, do you wear pajamas? Maybe you sleep in your underwear. Maybe your birthday suit. Not going any farther than that. But would you get up in the morning and would you go out in your nightgown for the day? In your purse and your, you know. Guys, would you go out in your pajamas? Would you go out in your underwear or your birthday suit? Heck no! You got to put those things off in the morning in order to put on whatever new you're going to wear for the day. The same thing spiritually. If you don't put off your old self every morning, you're not going to be able to put on your new self. It's just the way it works. You don't want to be spiritually exposed. You don't want to be spiritually naked. Put on those clothes because when you put on your new self, those clothes are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, what most of us do is we go out in our old spiritual clothes every day. And we're sincere. We love God. We're going to, you know, try to be, you know, righteous, have the rightness of God in our heart and holy. But it's just a thin layer. It's a thin veneer over top of things. And then when the thief comes along, if he takes a good enough shot at you, you know, he can steal your joy. He can say, plant those bad seeds anyway. Go ahead and water them. Go ahead and step on them. Doesn't that feel good? But what God's talking about here, when you take off your old self and put on your new self, you created to be like God in true righteousness, in true holiness. The real deal, folks, not just a thin layer of, of wishing and hoping up here. Romans 13, 14 in the Revised Standard Version says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. In other words, put him on, wrap him around you. Clothe yourself with him. Clothe your heart with him. May his righteousness be your righteousness. Not 
hoping and wishing a thin layer of his righteousness is going to cover you and protect you and, and, and keep you from the thief that wants to steal and kill and destroy the joy and the quality and the beauty of your day and your life. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things. What things? All things. In other words, I can figure out a way to pay all my bills. I can deal with all the relational struggles that I have in my life. I can deal with all the junk from work. I can deal with all of the chores and the responsibilities I have and all the stresses, the myriad of all those things that come upon me. I can do all those things through Christ who strengthens me. And how does Christ strengthen you? Remember, the joy of the Lord strengthens you. Not something you feel when you get off work or you experience with your kids on the weekend or you, you get to feel when you do your favorite thing that you like to do for you in the world. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not optional. Joy which the Lord gives you will make you strong. So quit looking at it as some frivolous, trite, or you know, thing that is irrelevant. It's not optional. Start looking at joy as the default of the divine in your life. It's required to live as God wants you to live. So that personal time with God every morning to receive His mercies, to take the bad stuff and cast it off to Him, that's the most important thing in your life. I know as I say, you go, my kids, my husband, my if you have that, all the rest of the stuff's different. Radically different. It's better. You can enjoy it. And if you'll have that quiet time, you can plant good seeds in your life. And guaranteed, something will grow. God will grow something in your life that you didn't see before. A new way of doing your life, looking at your life, understanding the tough stuff in your life. So this morning as we close, I want to share with you a song. It's by a young lady named Jamie Grace. It has to do with what we're talking about today. So if you will, watch this and read carefully the words. When trouble seems to rain all my dreams It's not a big, not a big deal Let it wash all the bugs off my windshield Cause you're showing me that This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why? 
Because Jesus said, I've come that you may enjoy your life. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. So make sure that you have that personal time with God every morning. It is the most important thing in your life. Because it's great that you come to East Point and you hear this grand oratory. Cool, you listen to Joel Osteen, Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley, and whatever other ones you want to listen to. That's great, but you know what you get from all those places and even from here? You get a piece of God. And what happens is, is all of those pieces of God are like all the materials that are needed to build a house on a construction site, all stacked up right there. But you know what those pieces need to actually build the house? Personal attention. Every piece has to be handled. Every piece needs direction so it can form the whole house. Otherwise, it's all there, but there's no house. And that's what your personal time with God does. He helps you put together the pieces of your life in that quiet time with Him, that personal time with Him in the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you can enjoy life every day. Will you pray with me? Great God, thank You so much for Your Son, Jesus Christ. The fact that He did come, yes, to save us from our sins so that we could go to heaven, but as the Scripture said this morning, so that we might have and enjoy life. So help us, Father, to understand that joy is the strength of our life. Help us to realize your mercies are new every day because we use them all up. We've got to have them new. And they are, they are, they are they're personal for us. The Holy Spirit will put together the pieces of our life if we will not plant those bad seeds and water them and walk all over them again every day, Father. So be with us today. Help us to marvel at your goodness as you guide us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.